Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for a precious day. And Father God, even this morning, I, I thank you for answers to prayer for those needing health and uh, spiritual intervention on their health. And so, Father, we just pray that you continue to bring healing to many people in the congregation as they are in a process of healing. And so, Father, we lift up your word this morning. And Father God, we just know your, your word is precious to us. And so, Father God, we, we pray that you would remember us this morning as we just seek to draw closer to you, draw closer to Jesus, and, and, and pray for the Holy Spirit to indwell us, to give us wisdom and counsel as we seek to walk a life that has been ordered of you. And so, Father, we just pray for the word this morning to go out and, and change our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this morning, uh, I just thought of a new series. I thought I'd, I'd move on to Paul's prison letters. We've done the book of James. And the book of James, was I love the book of James. Just such a lot of wisdom, a lot of good counsel in James. But maybe now's a good time to go into the prison letters. It's always interesting to, to look at somebody's life when they've been going through something traumatic. When you think about going to jail, how many of you would like to go to jail for the gospel? But if there's somebody to model our behavior on, surely it has to be Paul. And why did he go to jail? Well, hindsight is always a wonderful thing. Without Paul being in jail, he would have been wandering around the countryside and we wouldn't have all these amazing letters, these circulars that he would send to everybody. And so it gives us an insight into Paul's theology, what Paul understands about what God has done. And Paul is no lightweight theologian. He's a deeply theological man, but he also has a heart for the practical ministry. And so this morning, if you'd like to open your Bibles to 1 Ephesians, and we're going to read from verse 1 to verse 10. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from our God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, in heaven and things on earth. Wow. 
if somebody sent you that my grandmother was a good Anglican lady. And most, of our, most people in my family didn't go to church much at all. But everybody in their lifetime got a certain letter from my grandmother. It was a postcard and in that she would, not a postcard, just a, a card. And in that letter she would expound the importance of having a relationship with God. I think my oldest brother would, uh, the dreaded letter. Every person in our family at some time got that letter. And my Anglican granny would expound why it was important that we should walk with God. It was quite a, and when everybody, it was like a coming of age moment when you got that letter from my gran. They all remember it fondly, even if most of them are mostly agnostic. And agnostic, I mean, is they don't know what to believe in. They're not really disbelieve, but they don't believe either. And so they just go on their merry way. And I think we live in a world today that goes upon its merry way. Everybody just does whatever feels good to them. Whatever seems good in the moment. We just roll with it. But sooner or later, all of us need a good letter. And so this morning, I want to suggest to you, Paul's letter from prison to the Ephesians is a good letter. So what is Ephesians really about? Well, Paul's writing this letter to the church in Ephesus. Speaking, He hasn't met them yet, but he wants to go and visit. He's saying, I would like to come to you. And so he's saying who he is and what he believes. You know, sometimes when you're running a Bible camp and you get a pastor, someone who wants to come and, and preach or minister the gospel, they normally send a letter or a pedigree or they give you their background so, and they tell you, maybe send you a couple of links to their sermons so you have an idea of where they stand on theological issues. How many of you think that's rather a good, good idea? Because you get all sorts out there, right? Even my theology. How much has my theology changed in the last 25, 30 years? I think it's changed quite substantially. What I, thought I, what I used to think I knew, I now look back at that time and I cringe sometimes. Sometimes I still cringe in what I would say early on in the week. Sometimes so we all are so easily make mistakes. It's just it's part of the game. It's because when we live this life, if we're going to do it in and of our own strength, we're in trouble. I've learned to do life not on my own. In my family, and with Shannon in my life, I get double the amount of work done. Because if I'm taking it too easy, she'll say, Martin, you're taking it easy. So my wife doubles my workload. But it's a level of accountability. It's not a bad thing. It's wonderful to have people in your life that can hold you accountable. Accountability is the easiest way to do the Christian life. If I was too good for anybody to speak into my life and I fall into error, where will my correction come from? And so I'm desperate for people of God who love God, who are filled with the Holy Spirit to say, hey Martin, have you thought of this? Have you thought of that? We need to do that. 
And so we do this life together. Yesterday, I wasn't going to do this, but I will. South Africa won the Rugby World Cup yesterday. Right? And if you've ever watched a game of rugby, it's 15 against 15. And there's no ways, and, and the New Zealand side, they went down a man because they got a red card and they were sent off. So they were down one man. One man in a team can make all the difference. Can you imagine Canada playing Russia or America in the ice hockey world championships and you got a red card and a man was sent off? How many of you would be happy with that prospect? A man down. And you see, in the church, we're often a man down because people have gone fishing when they should have been in the team. And I'm not saying you mustn't go fishing. I'm saying when you're on the ice, and God is asking you to do something. This is a team sport. And we've got to do this together. And when you think of this letter. It made me think a little bit of taking my sister. Um, Catherine. She came to visit us from uh, South Africa. Also agnostic. But we wanted to show her around Toronto. Lots of good places to see in Toronto. But when you see Toronto, what is the one thing that stands out in that skyline? CN Tower. What's so great about it? It's height. So if you wanted a bird's eye view of Toronto... Where should you take a visitor to Canada? You take them to the top of CN Tower. And this is exactly what Paul is doing in the book of Ephesians. He's saying, you know what? I haven't met you yet, but let me take you to the top of CN Tower in the spiritual realm and give you a global view of Christianity. Now, these, just these 10 verses that I read this morning are supernaturally rich with so much stuff. I was like meditating and meditating. How do you even unpack this for you this morning? But this world eye view, it speaks about God. It speaks about the world, Jesus, the church, the means of salvation, Christian behavior, marriage and family, spiritual warfare. All of these things in this let, short letter. So it's quite profound. And this is about the Christian landscape, your landscape. So Paul is writing, giving you a letter this morning to explain to you just a bird's eye view about what is happening. The book of Ephesians is, is the closest statement to Paul's gospel. It speaks about Christians' belief and behavior. The first three chapters speak to our relationship to Jesus and to others from chapters 4 to 6. It speaks about doctrine and duty. It speaks how we are saved for good deeds and not through good deeds. It speaks about God's purpose and power and our walk and warfare. Very interesting. What do we know about Ephesus? In Ephesus was the temple of Artemis, Diana's temple. Now you'd say... For most of you who like um, geography or no, and history and geography, Diana's temple was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. 
there's a there's a little picture of what they ima- imagined it to look like. But that was huge. For its day, it was huge. This was a real piece of architectural wonder. And that's why it's put in the seven wonders of the ancient world. Another thing, what's important about Ephesus and the church, is we believe that's where St. John, John and Mary were buried. Why is that? Because Jesus on the cross says to John, John, this is your mother, Mary, mom, this is your son. And so John is thought to have looked after Mary for the rest of her days. And John is believed to have gone to Ephesus to go and minister the gospel. And he takes Mary with. And that's why they believe both the graves of Mary and John were here. What's another important thing about Ephesus? is syncretism. The amalgamation of different religious cultures or schools of thought. When you think of Toronto in our modern world... Do you think syncretism could explain Toronto quite well? There are many different religions now in Toronto. There's many, many cultures. I think from the time in 2015 when we arrived in Canada for the first time and and we're in Toronto for the first week, compared to now, it is vastly different. For those of you, um, I may have mentioned it before, but uh, Nicola did her citizenship test and she had to go and make an oath. When in Welsh was taken her oath, there were over 200 people, oh no, sorry, well over 300 people were taking their citizenship test. And they were from over 150 countries just in this last year. 380,000 immigrants just into Toronto. Do you think that's quite a melting pot of culture? And so this is where modern Canada is. Choose your big city. If you go there, syncretism is the way it is. What do they preach from the pulpits of our politics? It's all syncretism. Who are you and who am I in this place? Should this bother us? And I would suggest to you this morning, no. (laughs) This is just normal. It was no different today as it was then. We need to be John and Mary and we go into these places Because Christ in us is profound and powerful. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. What I thought I'd do this morning is, if you're somebody who spends some time in your Bible, one of the first things somebody sat down and taught me was how to do a Bible study. And in you... And just these first verses, you'll see that I've chosen blue to represent God. Why blue? Because it speaks of the heavens. Christ Jesus. I thought what the tribe of um, Judah, which is an emerald. So I chose green for Jesus. And for us, I've chosen pink. Because pink is a good loving color, is it not? So Paul, an apostle of Christ. And Christ means the anointed one. So Paul, an apostle of King Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ, King Jesus, grace to you and peace from our God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm. When you read those first verses and you look at those colors 
What jumps out at you? How much blue do you see? And how much green do you see? Christ or King Jesus are all over those three verses. So this book in Ephesians is speaking to who Jesus is to you and I. And it speaks about God's plan, God's will for Christ to come to this world. God's plan to reunite us with him. Let us continue reading. Look at the colors there. They jump out at you, don't they? can be a bit wild. Even as God, he chose us in him. God chose you and I. Put your name in. Wherever you see pink, you can put your name in there. God chose you in him, Jesus, before the foundation of the world. Does that blow your mind? That we should be holy and blameless before him. God wants you to be blameless before him. In love, God predestined your name, us, for the adoption as sons through King Jesus, according to the purpose of God's will, to the praise of God's glorious grace, which has blessed you, us, in the beloved, Jesus. In him, Jesus, we have our redemption through Jesus' blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of God's grace. What color jumps out at you there? Blood jumps out. How powerful is the blood? Blue stands out next, right? God's plan is the blood. Isn't that interesting? Whose blood? King Jesus. Our king's blood redeems us. This is profound. A God who will be king, who is anointed since before the foundation of earth. It's his blood that was always the remedy to always keep you holy and just before God because it's God's will. There's nothing, family, nothing you can do to bring yourself into right standing. This is profound. Which God lavished upon you in all wisdom and insight making known to you the mystery of his will. Does God want you to know the mystery of his will? And the answer is emphatically yes. God has a plan for your life that extends far beyond just you sitting here this morning and the week ahead. God has an eternal plan for your life through Christ Jesus, our King. You have been born and created for an eternal purpose not just to be a, a teacher or a, a camp director or anything. God has something in store for you and a purpose for your life that extends eternity. So one day when you pass away, we don't pass away to go and play harps on a cloud sometime. No, we, get, we become part of God's divine counsel. God's in a serious situation here. He's doing something serious in your life and my life. But the overarching thing is love. You see, God, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Jesus, King Jesus, as a plan for the fullness of time. What does fullness of time mean? Eternity. To unite all things in Jesus. 
things in heaven and earth. God's got a plan to unite you both on the earthly plane and in the heavenly plane to unite you and each other and unite creation and the heavenly realms all into one thing. This is, in, this is like heavy duty stuff. And you know, I don't understand all of it. So you know what I do? I just say, wow. It's just very easy. See, Christ is the plan to unite all things. There's all these many ideas in all religions of the world. But God is taking all of these ideas and he's bringing them into one major idea and that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the anointed one. He is the Son of God. He was the plan from the beginning before universe or anything was created that God was going to create a universe that Jesus could bring together so that God would have a fulfillment of a greater creation. A new part of the greater creation process. You have been chosen. A quick summary. God blessed us in Jesus, verse 3. God chose us in Jesus, verse 4. God foreordained us through Jesus in verse 5. God pulled out his grace on us in Jesus, verse 6. He gave us redemption in Jesus, verse 7. And he set out his plan in Jesus, verse 9. He summed up everything in Jesus, verse 10. And we obtain our inheritance in Jesus, verse 11. Do you think those those verses do you think that's a full those verses are a bit full? Just one of those verses you could preach on for months. And just in one letter, Paul is just just the opening of a letter. There there there, there it is. It's profound and wonderful. So if you've got your Bible this morning, you want to say, Martin, how do I start studying the Bible? This is a good way. Take your Bible, get a nice big letter Bible and get yourself some highlighters, some crayons or, or uh, color markers or whatever and just start coloring in words. And it allows the words to jump out at you and minister you what God's plan and purpose is. If you're struggling with who you are and what you are and what way you've been and what you've done in your life and you need redemption from that and you, or you need a new mindset, this is called interactive Bible study. And it's a wonderful concept of just being able to help you think through everything. But ultimately, there's, there's, we are redeemed by our Passover lamb. And if you go back to the story of Exodus, it's about just before they gain through the time of plagues. Can you imagine living through a time of plagues? The river Nile turning to blood and there's frogs and locusts. and everything. This couldn't have been an easy time to live through. The turmoil must have been horrendous. And God says, take a lamb into the, each, everybody, every family had to take a lamb into the house. Most people in this room would know that bringing a small, young, adorable animal into a home is probably not a wise thing. Why is that? Because we grow attached. There's an attachment to the lamb. And then we have to slay the lamb, take the blood of the lamb, and put it on the doorposts of that house. 
And so God, when God sees that house with that lamb's blood, knows, knows that, that everybody living in that house has been redeemed. Everyone. And God, when God says everyone, he means everyone. Your household has been redeemed by that lamb that you loved, that you came to cherish without spot or blemish. What's interesting about Judas, Judas is the one who declares Jesus righteous. Out of all his disciples, Judas takes those 30 pieces of silver, throws it back, and he says, I have betrayed an innocent man. He declares the lamb to be righteous because he, who is a sinner, Judas, acknowledges that that Jesus was a holy man and that he was a sinner. Right? Wow. That's profound. The temple priest, they cannot even take those 30 pieces of silver because it's blood money. And so they go and buy a potter's field. Anybody know? God's got a name called the potter's hands. The potter's house. And they go and buy a field for the people who have no land. They are the people who are the Gentiles. And this land now gets bought with God's money, because the 30 pieces of silver gets given to the temple. So this is now God's money, because it's being given to the temple. And God uses those 30 pieces of silver to buy land, so the people can be part of his kingdom. It's profound. It's amazing. But you have a lamb that is precious, that lives with you, that redeems you. See, Jesus stands at the door and knocks. You've heard that story. Salvation, God's plan for salvation, comes from God. Salvation in Christ, the anointed king, comes knocking at your door and says, will you be part of my kingdom? Will you take me as your Lord and Savior? And it's God's plan for the cosmos, for the universe, for all created things. We are chosen. God knocks on our door. We don't go knocking on God's door. It is the Exodus story. God is coming to redeem you and your family. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And Jesus said, invite me in. Because this is a relationship. And God is a gentleman. Jesus is a gentleman. He's not gonna, people want God to just come back and rectify anything. That's not how God works. God wants people to choose him, not forced to choose him. God doesn't want you to go down on your knees and worship him because you're forced to. That isn't a relationship based on love. God says, here am I. Let me take your burden. And we surrender our lives, warts and all. And we surrender it to Jesus. And God takes it. And you know what he does? He draws us into his body and we become one with him. One with one another, because you are created in God's image. Your neighbor is created in God's image. And God draws all his children into him, and we become one body. We are all united in Christ. This is profound. This is amazing stuff. To think this is the team sport that we speak about. God is doing something supernatural and drawing humanity into a place that we can all be one in a world where there should be no wars, no famines, no nothing. And God's saying, I'm going to do away with all of that. But I want to show you how this is going to be done. By drawing 
all of mankind into the body of Christ so that one day we will operate in the gift of love with one another forever. And any of you think that the world out there needs a bit of unity, a bit of love, a little bit of reconciliation, a little bit of redemption? This is what Paul is showing out just in those 12 verses. He's saying, this is God's eternal plan. God is going to make all things new. But to do that, we've all got to surrender to God. Surrender to his king, our anointed king, Jesus. That is the plan. And that is, is what's going to unveil. Because you have been sealed in Christ Jesus. You have the Holy Spirit, which is the flames. The blood of Jesus has sealed you. Nothing can take you away from God. No sin in your life can shove you away. You're sealed forever in Christ. Wow. This is amazing. This morning I was thinking just in my own life, just sometimes how you just keep on struggling and struggling and struggling. And I just felt the Holy Spirit, Martin, Martin, what did the thief say to Jesus on the cross? He said one thing, one sentence. Lord, remember me in your kingdom. What do you need to do, Martin? He says, all you need to do is ask me to remember you. So I sort of, Lord, remember my church family. Remember my earthly family back in South Africa that don't know. Remember them, please. Remember me, please. Do not forget me. It's profound. Lord, just remember me. You know what? Your God loves you. When you go into his presence, you say, Lord, remember me. You know, your children, when they're the little ones, they run into your presence. Hey, Dad. Hi, Mom. How are you doing? Just saying you're still around. Remember me. Remember me. You see, we all come to a crossroads in life. You can go your way, the devil's way, or God's way. Choose. Choose wisely. You say, God, remember me in this decision. I need to go where you want me to go, Heavenly Father. Guide my footsteps. Please. I'm getting too old in my life right now to make a mistake. Guide me. So Paul, in his writing from a prison cell, is a person himself who used to kill Christians. That's where he started off. That was his origin story. How guilty would you feel if you were going around killing Christians and only to find out later on you were wrong? He was fervent. He loved God. He just went about it the wrong way. Wow. What a revelation. Do you think living with that guilt, do you think that was a bit of a thorn in the flesh to know that you've killed a lot of godly people? That would be a thorn in my flesh. A lot of my words are a thorn in my flesh too. But God, wow. God's inviting you to climb to the top of the Mount Zion. There's a mountain that's taller than CNN, and that's Mount Zion, the mountain of the Lord. And you've been invited to the top. You've been invited into the garden. And one day you're going to eat of the tree of the tree of life and live for eternity. And God wants you to have a global view on what he's doing. He wants each and every single one of you to understand this is not a, he wants you to understand his will. He doesn't want you to operate in darkness. So don't. God wants you to have a wonderful week. 
He wants you to be filled with his spirit and journey. This morning, I was just during um, time of breaking of bread, and this is where I'll end this morning. I was just praying, and I just, I just got a vision of a card, thinking of my grandmother, and I had this card in this vision opening up, and on this card, um, Isaiah chapter 12, verses 1 to 6, was written on this card in this vision, and I'll read it. And maybe somebody in this room needs something prophetic this morning, so here's something for you. And you will say, in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you are angry with me, your anger turned away, that you might comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and I will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. You will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples. Proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known to all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitants of Zion. For great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. So if somebody needs that, go and highlight and read that in your Bible. That's a prophetic message for somebody. But I received that for myself. <sighs> to live on Mount Zion. To live with the Holy One of Israel. Our God forever and ever. But this very week, you and I are being invited to go out into this world and just tell people what a blessed life we have and how we've been blessed by the Holy One of Israel. So let's just close your eyes this morning and invite the worship team back up. One idea that Jesus is standing at the door and knocks on the gates of your heart. And he says, if you would will it, I would come into your house and you could put my blood on the doorpost of your heart and we would have a blood covenant forever. So if that's you this morning, I would just say in your heart, say, Lord, here am I. Remember me. And Father, I just pray that you would remember everyone sitting here this morning. Remember all our loved ones that are not here this morning for whatever reason. Father, we pray that you would remember them too. I pray for your spirit to indwell your children, that you would love them with an eternal love. Father God, that's just so evident that you, your plan for us is eternal since the beginning of time. And so, Father, we just thank you for your love. Father God, help us to love you like you love us. Help us to love our neighbor like you love them. Help us to sing your praises wherever we go in this world. Give us words to speak where we, where we are sometimes nervous and scared to speak. Father, give us inspiration as we go about our, our life this week. We pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.